0: Hi. Welcome to People. As we release this next episode of a show whose primary purpose is to curate and honor a variety of overlooked and seemingly mundane human virtues, it seems improper not to mention the heightening social unrest in the U.S. and around the globe, around institutional racism and its haunting history. This unrest is compounded by a persistent pandemic whose second wave threatens our shores before the first one has even loosened its grip. The honestly perilous state of the world right now has us racking our brains for the redeeming people, those Mr. Rogers affectionately called the helpers, the people whose work helps us through each uncertain day as less and less of us can plan for a longer window of time than that. With this in mind, we've chosen to shift gears in this podcast. This new chapter will feature guests whose names and work we want to exalt, and for whom anonymity wouldn't do justice. We want to share with you conversations with people who inspire us and who deserve recognition for that. Also, we will often be co-hosted by the guest we've had in episodes one, three, and four. His original voice adds a dimension of charm to the podcast and we are beyond elated to have him on more regularly. And when we think about creators whose voices guide us through this tumultuous time, it's hard to think of a kinder, more talented one than Mike Massais. To those of you who haven't heard his music, I would urge you to visit his YouTube channel for some context on our conversation. Mike is a cover artist whose genre and generation spanning catalog ranges from Chicago, to Rush, to Radiohead, to Elliott Smith, to Toto, to the Cranberries, to countless other artists under the general rock umbrella. His decades spent performing jaw-dropping covers at the Pie Pizzeria in Salt Lake City, while practicing as a public defender, eventually led him to a full-time Denver-based music career worldwide acclaim, and a YouTube channel of over 300,000 followers with a number of videos well above 10 million views. Since the pandemic has put his live shows around the world on hold, Mike has put together a YouTube live stream which airs three times a week and typically runs for over two hours and features set lists as long as 25 songs. He's sometimes joined by other musicians playing bass, auxiliary percussion, and backing vocals. And he connects impressively with the audience through a live chat filled with clapping emojis, song requests, and tips from fans. In sum, Mike Massey is a multifaceted talent, and frankly, a great guy. His live streams keep our spirits up during this seriously hard time in world history. We had an absolute blast talking with him, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as we did. After a quick sample of his rendition of Third Eye Blind's God of Wine, perhaps the cover of his which means the most to me. We'll get into the conversation.
1: Every thought that I repent There's another chip you haven't spent And you're catching them all in Where do we begin to get clean walk home alone with you in the mood you're born into sometimes you let me in and I take it on the chin Guys hear me
0: Yes. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Right, just okay. fine. Cool. Cool. So let, let let us know when you're uh when you're comfortable, and your situation. Yeah, just take a take a swing here. I just
1: finished uh, dinner for the boys, so we yeah. just made some just Can in I, in I ask what
0: was uh what was on the menu?
1: Uh, I just made some quesadillas real fast.
2: That, that sounds good to me.
1: mm mm-hmm. yeah. We had some uh, chicken. You know, chicken breast we or like a whole chicken we bun, actually. And uh, my, wife, my wife always eats the dark meat, so the, the white meat was left over. So I used it for quesadillas, basically.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the dark meat's for <laughs> that part, but in the, with mixed with the cheese in the quesadilla, one can kind of uh, yeah, you, you can get past. The white I've meat.
1: always, you know, it's interesting because I've always preferred white meat, so it's a good match when she prefers the dark. So oh yeah, yeah. Well yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah that's what I was going to say. Think
1: I think I like dark meat, like well, in certain contexts, I like you know, like a, I like a good. Um, I like a good fried drumstick, you know. <laughs> For sure. And I like them. And I like it in, like Asian food, I tend to like the dark meat, just, you know, either one. Like, I I, I don't mind either one.
0: Yeah, I think it depends 100% on the seasoning. If it, otherwise, yeah, exactly. to me, it tastes yeah. a little bit gamey. I think that's the word. Yeah, um, yep, yeah, yep, yep. But, um, yeah. But, well, yeah, well, Mike, it truly is a pleasure to uh, to be
2: talking with you. We're we're both actually sure. pretty pretty big fans. Oh, um, right of your work, uh, so we take we appreciate the time. I mean, you taking the time to sit down with us and um, kind of sure. talk about music and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, well, I just kind of wanted to start. Most, a,
1: you know, yeah, For on. most, for most performers, you know, their favorite topic is themselves. So it's it's always a pleasure. <laughs> I'm <just
2: kidding>. No, <laughs> no I fine. mean that, that that is fair,
0: right? There is a, yeah. a No, I'm
1: just there. kidding. No, no. Actually, my favorite topic is music. So that's it'll be fun to talk to you guys.
0: Of course, yeah, and and just. For context, you know, uh, we're actually both musicians ourselves, but uh, you know, not not really in the acoustic scene, uh, and not as adept. We don't have nearly as wide of a catalog as, as you. Do. So that's that's one of the interesting things is just being able to go through your channel and see anything from like, you know, Boston to Elliott Smith. It's just, I it just kind of blew my mind when I discovered you a couple of years back. It's just what <laughs> what is this guy yeah, up to? So-
1: yeah, well, we could talk about, like, how I pick my songs and stuff. Yeah, we yeah. could talk about it all.
2: It's fun. That, that, that's one thing. I, I first want to kind of give, you know, our viewership, for those those of uh, our listeners that don't know who you are, they probably, sure. I mean, like, there is a possibility that they've seen one of your videos, one of your many videos that have over a million views, um, but could you kind of just give us a biographical sketch, because you used to be uh, a practicing attorney, yes. and now you do music full-time, so if you could kind of just... Give us a little bit of background on, on that. Sure. Process.
1: Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I can give the bullet points. One thing that's interesting for me is the fact that right now, by a long shot, the most popular video on my channel is leader of the band. And most of that traffic is uh, like 95% of that traffic is coming from the Philippines. Really? If you, if you look at my channel right now, uh-huh. like if you look at my analytics, that video gets almost a million views a month just by itself yeah. and then then like things like africa and actually right now the second most popular video on my channel is Vincent you know my cover of the Don McLean song yeah. and that is also i think largely coming from the philippines but then you get into like after that then it goes into like eh, like africa and sound of silence and i think linger and and maybe oh and time stand still a recent one the rush cover i did oh, yeah. um so those are like kind of the you know the other ones but they're all like Almost like ten <laughs> percent of the traffic that the leader, of the band is getting, is crazy. And it's also interesting to note that like the subscription rate on that video is very, very low. A lot of people watch it and probably rewatch it, but they don't necessarily subscribe to my channel. Like those are some interesting things for me that I'm just kind of I don't know what to do with exactly. Like I don't have any contacts yeah. in the Philippines, so it's not like I've like you know I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been there or anything and uh, for a concert. But it, it you know it's something I thought about and. yeah yeah and also the other thing that's interesting for me is i'm i'm right now at i'm at two hundred and ninety nine thousand subscribers yeah like right on the cusp of three hundred thousand, a nice round number i just passed i just passed 100 million channel views and that's a nice round number i don't mean to sound like i'm all about the numbers but there's just those some things that just kind of caught my eye like because i actually i really don't pay enough attention to the numbers i'm sure like and most people, people are probably like, why don't you
0: look at your analytics? You know, it's just... you know it, it is it is fascinating because YouTube has so much power in driving your audience, driving your viewership, right. Right. Um, depending on the amount of views, uh, they, they promote you more. And that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you. Um, do, do you do you feel satisfied with the audience that YouTube uh, has exposed you to? Have, have, have there been any, any surprises or hiccups? Um, and like mm. the, the reason why I ask you that question is... I think I initially discovered your channel when I cleared my cache. I cleared my uh, prior viewed videos, and it was—you know—when you you do that, you get the freedom to stumble upon new content that excites you. And somehow, YouTube pigeonholes the the listener and the the viewer. Um, But I don't know. Do you feel, as a content creator, that it pigeonholes you? I I know you said that you don't check out the analytics as much as you'd like to. (laughs) Any, any well,
1: you know, one thing that, another interesting, like this is something that I probably should have been aware of a long time ago, and I just kind of like realized it, but, and it may be kind of a, a misleading stat just in itself, but like one thing that I just realized was like, um, the top demographic for my channel is like ages like 25 to 34, oh. which is like, kind of counterintuitive, right? You right, know, yeah. Like You'd think it was skew a lot older, but I think you know when I actually posted that on my um, Facebook page recently just that you know screenshot of that um, little bar graph you know like showing the age groups and stuff and it kind of like peaks at that age like 25 to and then it, like it kind of goes downwards from there like the next the next age group whatever um, 35 to 44 whatever is like you know the next the next largest and then it kind of goes downwards and then like 65 plus is the smallest but people were like well that probably more reflects the general viewership of YouTube than your particular channel <laughs> I'm like sure. that's fair you know yeah. so it's like mostly more young people use use YouTube so I'm just like I'm just kind of reflecting the typical demographic perhaps I don't know yeah, yeah. that may be just the Philippines a lot of younger people watch that leader of the band cover and and like you see the comments, and it's like um, there's like this general theme of them, and that's like this song reminds me of my dad. <laughs> you mm, know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And so like it might just be a lot of younger people watching it, and they're like, my dad used to sing me this song. I really think that song was a thing in the Philippines. I'm not yeah. exaggerating. It's just like, and like my cover is just like one of the you know things that people find on YouTube when they find search for that song in the Philippines. I think a lot of people. Their dad's played it for them. I mean, it's like, or or they think of their dad when they hear that song. It's just like it's a, it's a, it's kind of a lovely thing. but it's just like this, this common theme throughout the comments. But, mm. um, yeah. So I'm just, you know, I just, I think I just kind of tapped into something there that was already there. Right. You know.
0: Yeah. Like the, the interesting thing, and I, I, I could probably vouch for myself because because both of us are millennials, oh. so we're we're in that age bracket. But um, you're sort of resuscitating a lot of sincere music that. I mean, I feel like I grew up in a time, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, when there wasn't a whole lot of music that spoke to me, you know, I I, I, I would, maybe this is, this is, I'm a heretic for saying it, but I feel like rock was just kind of waning at that point, for the most yeah. part, there was a certain just like loss of sincerity and musicianship, and then it faded into like Napster and Spotify, so I didn't know if you, you know? yeah.
1: You know, I don't even... You know, just, just kind of watching it, music evolve, like, as a musician. Right. I have sort of a different perspective on it. and I don't necessarily fault people for, you know, lack of sincerity. I, that's an interesting way to frame it, but I would look at it kind of a little bit differently. I would say it was just sort of like... Uh, um, in many ways, rock music had just kind of run its course. Yeah. yeah. Um, as, an art, as an art form, that, like, it just kind of... Um, that there was definitely peaks in its expression. And, and it's like, you know, we, we... You know, you think of classical music and, and, the, and the evolution of music as a whole, like, from, you know, from Gregorian chants. You know, we don't... They, they didn't call it classical music then. There weren't right. other genres. It was just music, right? It was like, right. it was the only yeah. music. And yeah, so, And now, but we think of it as, like, a genre. Like, the early days of classical music, because classical music is, like, the oldest music we know. But, like, rock music is just sort of... It's not really... It's just a branch of music evolution, you know what I mean? Right. And so it's just, yeah. and I think, you know, the the, the patterns that it picked up on, and, and the you know, the structures that I picked up on, musical structures that were used and reused were, have just been kind of mined, you know? And it's just like, sure. eventually you kind of need to go, you need to need to find a new power source because that, you know, that one's been mined out or whatever. And so it's like, yeah, I, and, and so I don't fault people in the 2000s and the 90s for being like, you know, if they're stuck in that same genre, but they're like, I need to, I need to evolve this without, you know, disorienting or, or, um, or losing the audience in some way
0: because Mm -hmm. the masses still kind of have this, you know, there's still this appeal for
1: simplicity and, and, um, you know, things that they can react to. And, and yeah, and I just, yeah, I think that the, you know, there was so much that was done before that. And and maybe that's a naive way of looking at it. And maybe I'm Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, it's hard for me to get above the maze and look at, you know, the past and the future. But I just, that's kind of my view as a musician is that like, and that's kind of, You know, that's why I, um, you know, I'm not a very prolific songwriter, and I just I I appreciate musicians who do that because that's one of the things I run into as a cover artist is like, I've seen so many ways that people can write a song and so many different structures, structures. And I see the patterns and I see the songs that depart from the patterns, you know, the Mm -hmm. outliers and the, where people have gotten creative and and done something different. And I, you know, I can appreciate that from kind of a macro level when you know, like hundreds of songs. And, but the the thing that I run into as a musician, as a, as a composer would be like, how do I give myself permission to do things that have already been done? You know what I mean, right. and I, and I'm perfectly aware that they've already been done, and I know like every chord I strum, I you know I can tell you a dozen songs that you know if I go to an F from a C, you know, did that or whatever, mm-hmm. and so it's like you know, if, if I, in a way, I'm kind of trapped in my own head as a composer because I'm like, sure. where is the new ground to cover here? Yeah, and, right. and, and and so and that's kind of like, but that also is reflected in my style as a cover artist because I don't. um I don't see a great need to depart a lot from the original a lot other than to you know other than um the limitations of a single acoustic guitar that are you know that are built in I sure. don't try to like I don't try to depart from the song other other than you know just what the medium you know, just allows for, or, or disallows for. Sure. So, yeah, so I, I try to be as true as I can to the original, and I don't have, like, this ego about it where, like, I've got some better ideas than Paul Simon had, or, you know, like, right, right. That's, that's kind of, like, that's, like, my attitude about it, it's like, you know, Paul, Paul McCartney didn't think of this, so he should have ended it this way, you know, it's just like, right. I don't go there, you know, I'm just like, no, I'm a cover artist, and I'm just, like, I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you as a fan of music that this was a worthy song, and it's, like, worthy to me in every aspect of it, and or I don't pick it. You know, like if I feel like a song needs to be rewritten, I'm probably not going to bother to cover it. So that's just kind of like, that's my approach to it. And I'm like, how would I do this? You know, how would I recreate this song, the emotion of the song, the arrangement of the song as much as I can with just the limitations of an acoustic guitar? And that's kind of what I try to do. And sometimes I've got a bass player who joins me. Sometimes I've got a stomp pedal so I can add a little bit of like, you know, kick drum. Sometimes I've got a guitar synthesizer so I can add a you know, some ambient, you know, kind of synth pads in the background, you know, or a twelve string emulation. I try to take advantage of what I've got like at my disposal, but it's all generated in real time and it's all designed to kind of just create recreate what i loved about the original because i like from the from day one i've just i've approached this as a music fan sure you know i'm just like you know i'm just like this is like i've I've often said like i would sing these songs if even if nobody else wanted to listen right it's just you know it's just it's a cathartic thing and it's just to be able to like step inside that song emotionally and just you know live in that song for the three or four minutes that it exists and propel it forward with your own physical energy is just you know that's that's a cool experience you know yeah absolutely people people work towards as musicians to get towards you know to to live in that song and just you know and just kind of you know they there's a song there's a boston song that i cover um there's a line that says come on let us give your mind a ride and that's kind of the way i think of music it's just like a ride for your mind and you have and as a musician you're creating the ride and you're like your whole body is the rhythmic energy of the song, and if you kind of stop and like, you know, you, you, you just, you, yeah, you just have to keep going, and it's just, and you, and the energy of that living in real time, and just, you know, I have to keep this at a steady tempo, just all the things that a musician has to live in, it's just, and then to, to capture the energy of someone else's song that you love, and to be able to do that in a way that other people respond to, it's just, yeah, that's a blessing of being a musician.
2: Kind of what you were talking about, like, with arrangements, this is this is this is important to me. you recently premiered um i mean it's a little bit of a sobering thought that, that Jimmy Jimmy World could now be considered classic rock in some capacity um, but but you you recently premiered on a live stream and, and for our listeners, you've been doing live streams amidst this kind of pandemic and variety yeah. of, of unrest you know but you've been doing these live streams uh, and that was a new premiere for you so we were kind yeah. of you did the middle, which is the classic jimmy Eat world song um right. right, right. What, what, how do you how do you go about picking your songs? I mean, you are you you know getting suggestions from friends, from family. Are you just like, well, I've never done this song before, so I want to give it a crack. You know, how does how does the, the, the process look from picking a song to then trying to come up with an arrangement that, that captures that emotion you were talking about?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's a um, there's a certain unknown quantity about this about the process that I can't. Um, that I can't objectively explain because, but I can I can describe it to you and it's basically this, and it's um, do I hear my own voice in that song? Could I hear my own voice in that song? Is there something universal about the performance that I think I could capture and want to, would wanna capture, but also like um, would not feel like so foreign to me that I was putting on an act Mm. okay mm. and so like there's a line that i don't that i don't want to cross where it feels like i'm putting on an act because it no longer feels natural to me and so here an example of that would be like i have never brought myself to cover michael jackson yeah because i think michael jackson there is so much of his individuality as a singer wrapped in those performances that we associate with those melodies right that when it's gone it's just you feel like, I don't know, it's gone, and, it's, and the song would be missing something. You know, I, I know, like, Chris Cornell did an awesome version of Billie Jean, and I my hat's off to him, but, you yeah. know, I, like, for me, I, I like, you know, that, so I don't hear myself doing all those little, you know, <laughs> like, falsetto uh, right. noises that he made. You know, but it's he does it in a really awesome way as a vocalist, and it's and he nails it, and and um and so like I don't feel the need, like oh that's the other thing. Some songs I'm like I don't have anything I can add to that, and I don't know if I can get to where they got with that, so I'm not really gonna try. And it's not that I'm like I don't want to invite the comparison. It's just like you know I don't I don't feel like a dying need to sing Hallelujah because Jeff Buckley just killed it. Right, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's just like I you know. And so, like, there's some songs where, and a lot of the same stuff with, like, the Freddie Mercury stuff, I'm just like, I don't really think I have much to add to that, because it's, like, so, you know, and I, I don't, it's not that, like, oh, I won't sing the very best vocalist because I can't do what they did or whatever, but just, like, not everything matches my voice sure. in a way where I feel like I'm, like, I can, I can do that justice, you yeah. know, and I can capture that, and so, so there's some, like, self-imposed limitations that it's more like what I can't do versus what I can't do, right. and then I, you know, and so, like, it was, Going back to Jimmy World, well, that was a song from the 90s that I always just kind of... Like I enjoyed the energy of, and he sings it in just a nice, pleasant tone. That like, you know, my my voice is, has I have a pretty clean tone generally, and it's just, and you know, I'm like, okay, I can hear myself doing that, and I can capture that energy. I thought, you know, and just as a side note, like I have a band here based in Denver mm-hmm. um, called Mike Massey Band, and uh, the guitar player in that band is Rock Smallwood, the guy that you saw me play that song with on my stream, mm-hmm. and so that was basically an acoustic. Uh, adaptation of something we had done as a band so like we both kind of knew it and we were both sort of playing parts, you know but I had to i had to throw in, i threw in the stomp pedals adding some percussion and you know just kind of making some choices that you know because it was an acoustic arrangement but yeah it was just like it's a fun song and and it's and, and here's something anyone who watches my streams regularly will will attest to this fact that i have a hard time sometimes finding upbeat songs because i do a lot of ballads and just kind of mellower songs or, yeah or sad songs or, you know and it's not like you know it's not like it's a reflection of the times no it's just a reflection of my repertoire it's just like always been that way it's kind of funny but, yeah no certainly so the, the the, the upbeat songs are few and far between, but I always gravitate towards them when I can.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the set list, for, there are there are certainly a, a handful of bleak songs. So uh, yeah, they're, they're they're in for they're in for some kind of melancholy too.
1: Yeah, and, and like yesterday, I did exit music for a film by Radiohead, which is, this is like yeah. completely depressing song. <laughs> Uh, I always think of Romeo and Juliet when I hear that song because it kind of sounds like that sort of scenario. I know they did a song for the movie Romeo and Juliet, so I don't know if there's a coincidence there that they were (laughs) this was like you know a discarded you know option or whatever. But um, I always thought of that uh, as as being reflected in those lyrics, and they're like you know the the last line is "We hope that you choke." Yeah, right. uh, right, right. But it's a beautiful song. Sure. So
0: So, anyway, in 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 terms of in terms of picking songs, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but. You, yeah, you, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, you, I mean, you talk about, can I hear my voice in this song? Um, sure. For, from my perspective, I would say, you know, you listen to a certain song, just as a consumer of music, you say you're a music fan, and it sort of resonates on the same wavelength, uh, like your, whatever your fundamental frequency is. Like, do you, yeah. do you feel that melancholy songs, uh, if, if not melancholy, at least, it's just a very emotionally, uh, like high emotional valence, do you feel that that resonates with you as a person?
1: You know, I guess it always kind of has. I mean, I've always been kind of a sucker for a good ballad and a pretty melody. You know, like I—I I mean, I recently covered "If You Leave Me Now" by Chicago, and I loved that song as a kid. So it's not like it's just like a recent thing for me. You know, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do gravitate towards so, sometimes the pretty melodies and stuff, and like, and Radiohead has always been kind of um, just just hit a note for me that just yeah just resonated with me i used to listen to them in law school when i was uh studying for finals um I was kind of like a, a lone wolf in law school. I don't mean that to sound like, that's, that's a bad term these days, but um, mm-hmm. I didn't really, uh, you know, study with other kids or <laughs> other
0: students, other <laughs> law students. They yeah, feel yeah. like kids now. <laughs> but, yeah, other law students.
1: Um, I was, I'd kind of go home and, or you know, and, and uh, just listen to Radiohead, like when I was studying for finals instead of being in a study group or whatever. And and but and, and my wife, you know, she's, she uses Radiohead, Radiohead as a Rorschach test because she says that any time that Radiohead sounds good to her, she knows she's depressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, yeah, that's, like, that's, yeah, that's totally that's, fair. Yeah. So,
1: but like, but they always sound good to me. So I don't know what that means it's yeah. just about me.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. It's kind of funny. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, do you think that, do you think that there's a correlation? You say that you're a lone wolf in law school. I, I, I remember just, at least in my studies, I, I studied engineering. So in my studies, I was just yeah. super isolated and I found yeah. that the stress of other people, uh, had a negative impact on me as an impressionable, impressionable kind of emotional person. Like, do you feel like there's a correlation be- between having that lone wolf personality uh, trait and um, being a performer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm, I, I am comfortable by myself. I don't, I mean, like, this, you know, this, uh, this uh, situation these days where everyone's kind of living, you know, in tight quarters with with their loved ones is, you know, it's, it's interesting to kind of see that contrast, but, um, you know, where you're suddenly, you know, no one's alone (laughs) or or not, you know, people with, with families and roommates are, are not really alone anyway. So, um, but yeah, and so it's, it's been a bit of an adjustment there for me, but I think, um, I, you know, it's, it's been good too, you know, it's it's, it's good to, uh, to get used to your fellow humans and appreciate them you know because sure. that's like you know I think its the situation has been a reminder for people that that's kind of what all things ultimately about but but getting yeah but for for me getting back to law school it's like you know i i think for me maybe it was just like i was i felt it was the best use of my time is like i knew what i needed to study and i didn't want to spend time worrying about what other people needed to study yeah. i don't know it's just like you know and i didn't want to study it any longer than i needed to because <laughs> it was like yeah. so for me it was like a means to an end. i don't know it's like it wasn't like i was like i fell in love with the law i was just like it was kind of like you know i just felt like the next step for me but it wasn't necessarily like my total calling in life you know as i demonstrated that you know kind of pivoted away from it after 13 years as a public defender you know
2: yeah yeah um, that that if you could kind of give people that, that biographical sketch of, you know, you pivoting away from that and then pursuing, you know, music full time. Yeah.
0: And, so, and, and, yeah, and okay. it, it, This can start way, way back or it can, yeah. whatever the timeline <laughs> is.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all, it's, the, the ball's in your court here. it reminds
1: me of, I think it was an episode of The Office that my, my son was just watching where Toby's like, um... I could start at the beginning, but I'm going to go back before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway, you know, um, <laughs> you talked about, like, the Scranton strangler, whatever. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. So, um, um, so <laughs> yeah, so for me, it was basically like, I, you know, I went to, I went to, uh, I was a music major undergrad, and mm-hmm. I studied, my emphasis was sound recording, and so I learned, like, this is kind of pre-computer recording age, right? So this is like, mm-hmm. I was learning, I was one of the, you know, in the last generation of people learned tape and, and hardware and stuff, and so it was kind of cool for me, like, eventually when, when recording software pivoted towards um, it all being digital and software versus like you didn't need to buy a bunch of hardware, you'd run it off of the computer and the computer would simulate the hardware. Right? It was like all hardware emulations of classic gear rather than having to buy the classic gear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so but it was it was nice for me to have had some relationship with the original gear. When the digital emulations came along, because I was like, oh, yeah, I've used this before. I remember right. this or whatever. And so, yeah, so like knowing how a compressor works and knowing how an EQ works and reverb works and having worked with that hardware was kind of invaluable to me. And so, as a music major, I was studying sound recording. And I got, you know, I got a an internship at a local studio, um, one of the big studios that had just bought this nice new expensive digital mixing board that could, you know, do snapshots of mixes. It was like, you know, cutting edge at the time, which yeah. was like, you know, uh, mid-90s, and, um, and so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, but no, you know, I didn't have a paying gig as, a, as an engineer, so I'm just like, well, I'm not making any money doing this, so um, i like, I need a real job, basically, so uh, um, my friend Jeff Paul, who was uh, in my band during my undergrad years, he was a bass player, and he was a humanities major mm-hmm. with an emphasis in music, so he had, you know, a lot of this, he was in the same building as I was a lot, sure. and we became friends, and he was, you know, he he eventually became featured on my YouTube channel you know, quite as the bass player in most of my videos from my pizzeria and so so Oh, City. yes, yes. We're familiar yes, with it. Yeah. yeah, so that's Jeff Hall. But anyway, so back then, he went to law school before I did. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I'd kind of, you know, talk about him or talk to him about it. And, and for me, it was like, it wasn't like out of the blue that like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. Like, I remember as a kid, watching a lot of perry mason and thinking like as a kid like i want to be a lawyer you know Yeah. so that was kind of like my original thought and then you know and then as i got a little bit older i'm like no i want to be dennis de young i want to be a rock star (laughs) you know know, so and so like i ended up kind of doing a mixture of the two or whatever but um but yeah so you know i was aware of like this desire to be an attorney from perry mason and by the way, I'm excited for the, the reboot of Perry Mason starring Matthew Reese from The Americans. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I no, certainly. Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I and Jeff was, he he started off as a public defender. I was like, oh, that's super cool. And then he went on to be a prosecutor um, after some, he did some private work too. But uh-huh. And uh, so I was like, well, that sounds cool. And so yeah, I, I went to law school and I became a public defender after a year of doing some private stuff. And, and I did that for 13 years. And, and uh, the whole time I... Kept up my music and um, just as a side gig, basically, I was playing at this pizzeria in Salt Lake City uh, like once a month. It started off two nights a month, Monday and Tuesday, and then it just went – I mentioned it was just Monday. Uh-huh. And I did it for like 25 years or something. I don't know. It's a long time. Yeah. And um, after I'd been doing it for like 15 years or something, I started filming those gigs, set up a camera on the table that was across from me. And um, I had like a, a mixer that could, you know, give an output to a computer, and I recorded on my computer, and I, I sync up the audio and the video, and I post the highlights, and that became my YouTube channel. Started the beginnings of my YouTube channel started yeah. in 2008, mm-hmm. and so it's been like 12 years now, I guess. So, wow. yeah, so that's kind of how things started, and then you know, I posted a cover of Africa um, a couple years later, and that kind of blew up a little bit, and and kind of took the audience to a different level of the size, and. For the longest time, Africa was um, since, since we started this conversation rather informally at the beginning, and I and, and made passing reference to Africa. For the longest time, Africa was the most popular video on my channel, and it's still the most. It still has the most views. It's got like 13 million or something like that. But uh, but um, or maybe 14 and, yeah, uh, it's 14 million. Yeah, it's 14. Yeah, but leader of the band. Um, has like 11 million but it's getting like a million a month so it's gonna yeah. pass Africa like, sure. in a few months it's gonna pass Africa and like will yeah. we'll easily like be the most popular video on my channel which is just kind of cool because that's like something I shot like my wife literally filmed that like and I recorded <laughs> yeah. it all myself in my studio you know wow. just like to think that that got you know appreciated like that and and the other one I made reference to at the beginning was a Vincent video and that one
2: yeah. Yeah. that's
1: a cool one because my friend Sean did all this like cool animation of the Van Gogh art right. and um, like digital animation it's just it's like a, I think it's really pretty to watch, if you can, if you can sit through the scenes of me singing,
0: some
1: pretty, <laughs> pretty art in between those scenes that uh, kind of goes with the music and, and intentionally, it's just kind of nice. But,
0: yeah. yeah, and it, it, there was, it's, I imagine that there was a sort of a, a resurgence of interest in uh, Vincent after that beautiful, kind of like watercolor style film came out. What? Like oh yeah, two I years saw ago? that movie. Yeah, it yeah, was cool. Just mind blowing. Hey. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and, and one one can't help but note that <laughs> you don't look entirely uh, different from Vincent. Yeah, ben you don't. don't look dissimilar, I know, right?
1: I know. I just I just have like I have too many ears. But yeah, yeah.
2: yeah <laughs> no, yeah, you're, you're, you're yeah no, too many. No, it's it too soon. Too soon for that joke. I'm no, sorry. no, no. It's okay. It's okay. That's it.
1: No, no, no. You're in, you're in good no, company. Uh, yeah. No, Van Gogh is easily like my favorite artist, and I shouldn't tell you that because that uh, you know it makes you one step closer to figuring my, out my password in some places. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I love Van Gogh, and um, and I've actually, got, I was like so excited to go to the Van Gogh Museum. I'm like, finally, I get to see Starry Night. And I'm walking through the museum. I'm like, it's not here. And then I like Google it. I'm, like, it's in New York. <laughs> like I went all the way to Amsterdam and it's in New York.
2: Yes, so, yeah. Later
1: I went to later I went to MoMA and got to see it there so that was super cool. Well,
2: well yeah, lovely. Um yeah, MoMA MoMA is worth a trip uh, even if you're not a Van Gogh fan uh, for for our yeah, listeners yeah. out there. But um yeah. what was it like when you made the decision to, you know, um Cease practicing at least as a public oh, yeah. defender. Wait,
1: sorry, yeah, I kind of got sidetracked from that. Oh no, no, no
2: like, worries. I mean, yeah. it was all it was all helpful. So yeah, yeah. Talk, talk a little yeah. bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, it was well, it kind of you know, it all kind of relates to what I talk about with Africa, and, and basically, um, so when I posted Africa, you know, I, we started getting some like, um, some attention, you know, just from people that would like see our channel and and they would inquire about private gigs here and there, and uh, you know, and I got some offers for for you know other gigs and performances and I'm like well this is kind of cool and, I was, and so I was thinking you know at some point maybe if I put my attention to this full time you know I could you know replace my attorney I wasn't trying to like you know be rock, a rich rock star I'm just like right. I want to replace my day job you know and that you know minus the, the pension I guess yeah you know, right
0: yeah and so, <laughs> minus
1: the 401 it wasn't even a pension it was just a 401k but yeah uh, but anyway so um but yeah so I um, you know as and it was in 2000 and We'll call it 2014. Um, my Africa video kind of had like had this unusual viral outbreak where it kind of got like a, um, a lot of traffic like all at once, and suddenly I had a lot more subscribers and a lot more fans, and I even got the attention attention of a manager from Nashville who had um, been a producer uh, Nashville and, and, a few stuff that I've heard of and that you've heard of. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And, uh, he owned a studio there, but he's recently it sold it to Peter Frampton. And oh wow. A, yeah. But, but, uh, yeah. So he, he was like, Hey man, um, I found you on, you know, on tube. I saw your video and I loved it. And he found me on Facebook or something, you know, cause it started basically getting spread around Facebook, my Africa cover. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm like, that's cool. So like, so I started talking to him about what we could do and, and, um, he and i he he tried and just we we and i he and i just kind of i don't know we just didn't see eye to eye about um how things should work and and i don't think he had necessarily the best salesperson skills and so like a lot of the gig offers that were coming in i don't think he handled them well and so um i didn't end up sticking with him but what i did figure out from that experience was i'm like you know if i put my attention to this i think i could i think i could do this full time it's like it felt like it was interesting so i used that moment as kind of a a launching pad to just you know taking the leap to doing it full time And, and uh and it's been good you know it's um it's it's been basically just literally doing it all ourselves where we're just kind of renting out theaters where we in, in cities where we can draw a crowd and just like selling tickets right. on Eventbrite you know and so it's very like mom and pop you know um, but it's but it's been great and just to have an opportunity to get out and see people you know um, and I look forward to those opportunities again in the future yeah but meanwhile, meanwhile I've been live streaming but yeah but um yeah so it's been it's been quite the little ride but um but we did get to the point where you know it's like you know we're family's still afloat and we're, we're doing what we need to do and and um and you know financially and and uh, and so it's yeah i mean i'm still middle class <laughs> but, I'm like, but i'm doing what i want to do i just kind of you know i just kind of you know it's like i don't know i just i was a public defender for a long time and, and the longer you do that job um kind of the worse it gets and what i mean by that is just they trust you with more serious and kind of worse cases the, right. the longer you're there you know i mean you're, you're you know you get pay increases along the way too so you're given more responsibility with, with that you know which is fair um you know the more seniority you know and but it's just like something i noticed about that job i'm like ooh, this isn't getting better <laughs> like this is right. kind of going in the direction you know and so then i'm like i'm at the point i'm like well if i really want to like do, advance my career i need to get capital certified where i'm you know, ability. I have the ability to you know to represent clients on capital cases where their where their life is on the line. I'm like, is that what I want to do? You know. Yeah, of course. And so yeah, yeah. you know, and then the other whole aspect of it was uh, there's kind of a lot of secondary PTSD, and I I say that not in a way to diminish the primary PTSD sure. that happens with the first responders, but you. You know, when you get doing homicide cases, you're looking at crime scene photos, and it's not pretty stuff, you know, yeah. and it's not Hollywood either, you know. Right. So, yeah, so you're seeing real thing, you're seeing real life, and it's, uh, it's it's not great. And so, you know, it gave me a whole new appreciation for the first responders that have to walk into those situations every day and yeah. take those memories home with them every day. You know what right. I mean? Oh it's yeah. It's crazy. And so, you know, I had my share of secondary ptsd that yeah i just like even even talking about now it's like (laughs) like i don't want to go i don't want to go there you know right but there's people there are people that do that every day and that's their job you know and it's just like and so you you understand why you know doctors and lawyers and police officers and all those people you know some of them develop substance abuse issues because they're just trying to cope with what they see you know and so um Anyway, you know, I had an opportunity to step away from that, so I took it. You know, on a brighter note, and yeah. uh, you know, and I, I will say, as a musician, I do miss the feeling of direct, kind of like public service, or, you know, sure. community service, almost. You know, where I was, where I was working with people where I was, I was their only hope. You know, like they're like I'm talking to people that are in jail, and it's just like they need some good news, you know, or something. Sure. You know, or they need a friendly face or something. You know, so yeah, you see people their low points, and it's just you know, it's really humbling, and it just kind of keeps you. You know, in touch with you know, like how hard some people have it because a lot of those people, you know, it wasn't like they didn't just get there suddenly. You know, this was like right. a, their life devolved into this or whatever. You know, right. so, yeah, you, you know, it's it's all it's all humbling and just you know, it's all it kept me super grateful to be a musician because you know, what am I doing during the pandemic? I'm figuring out which of my favorite songs from the past I want to learn to play on live streams for people that are you know that are watching that. Are tipping me to play the songs I love. It's just like yeah. you know, I really can't complain. You know, sure. So I'm I'm super grateful for where I am. But it, you know, it didn't get here. I didn't get here by accident. You know, I, I know I have worked here. here but, yeah, no, yeah. certainly.
2: Well, well, one thing I wanted to we wanted to both touch on, um, just quickly on this transition is is you know, you mentioned you know having a wife and having children, and what was yeah. what was that shift? Not to say that of course you weren't passionate about law, but what was that shift like? when you decided to pursue being a musician full-time? How's, how did your, your children receive it, and how did your wife receive it?
1: Well, um, my kids were fine with it. I mean, they were both kind of young enough where, you know, I don't think that they... Noah, um, when I moved from Colorado, he was... I guess he was maybe three, I guess something like that. So he doesn't, you know, he was too young to really weigh in or get a vote. <laughs> I'm just right. Um, yeah. But, and <laughs> but, uh, but my oldest Timmy, he was probably like seven, but, um, anyway, they were fine with it. And, and Timmy, um, you know, he knew that we were moving closer to family because that was part of the, the crux of it was we wanted sure. to, um, you know my youngest Noah had some health problems when he was uh, 11 months old yeah. he was you know diagnosed with a brain tumor and stuff and, and that was a big ordeal for us and so we were in, we were in uh, Salt Lake City when it happened and we didn't have any family nearby and so it was really important to us to kind of move to where we if something anything like that ever happened again we would have some family support if possible and so it's kind of funny because we went through this whole process of me becoming a member of the uh, of the Washington State Bar because my brother lived in Seattle we're like okay we're, we're going to move to Seattle and yeah. you know I went I, as I looked at you know I um I, I just, you know, went and handed out resumes that, you know, I, I just moved to Seattle and tried to become a public defender or whoever. But this was after the recession, so it was like there wasn't a lot of jobs, those jobs were in high demand and stuff. And so I never found a job there. And then my brother upton moved to LA, so I'm like, Oh, I guess we're not going to Seattle. <laughs> so anyway, I but I had grown up in, in well not grown up, but I've been to, you know gone to high school in uh, Boulder, Colorado and my, I still had a sister that lived in Littleton. So we, we moved about, you know, like five minutes away from her. In yeah. here in colorado and so that was fun and so i think i was the point of that was just to say that i think for my youngest or my oldest uh Tim, he was happy to be you know near his cousins and near his aunt and stuff i think yeah. it was fun for him and, and it's you know it's lovely here this is a this is a lovely place and that's one thing that's uh that we've kind of great, gained a greater appreciation of uh, during the pandemic here <laughs> is that right. um there's a, the uh the amount of trails around here uh you know, we've got this highline canal that's just miles and miles of just beautiful trails. And especially during the spring and, and summer where the, all the trees are in bloom. It's just, yeah, we try to go on walks every day just for our own health and our own sanity to get out of the house. And, and we've, you know, explored all around here. And it's just like, wow, we didn't know half this was here. <laughs> you know, we just found so much that we didn't know it was here. It's like, this is amazing. You know, I've been on my bike, every you know, almost, you know, several days a week too, just trying to get out of the house. And, yeah, yeah. trying to make the best of it, you know.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. I mean, and and to zoom a a little bit further out, um, but to kind of harp on the topic, you know, one, one can't help but notice that you are kind of living this, this 21st century dream where you get to transition from, you know, one thing, it was one type of dream, but it was this sort of, you know, almost white collar or, uh, C- conveyor belt type of dream' you're, you're part of the autocracy yeah. you're killing it in one department, but then there's this this other side of the coin, which is that you have this creative intelligence that you maybe you could channel in a different way and yeah. what, what I want to hear about regarding that uh, if you don't mind is what 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 type of psychological transformation do you think uh, you you went through personally during that time and and, and do you, do you feel like your just your attitude toward life and your feeling when you get out of bed in the morning has changed
1: well you know I, that's, I'm glad you asked that question because it helps me to kind of circle back a little bit to, uh, I wanted to mention that, um, that, you know, you asked about how my family took the, the move and stuff. And, and I, I would say that my wife actually, um, got the, a lot of the brunt of it <laughs> because suddenly yeah. she had a husband who didn't have a steady paycheck anymore. So she kind of had <laughs> to be patient with the, the fluctuation of the income and, you know, and, right. and realizing that it was just sort of the, be an ebb and flow of the gigs and everything else, you know? Um, and also like later on she you know she helped by taking on the role of actually you know doing a lot of the you know, the gigs themselves and, and yeah. reaching out to theater and such and so um and so she's kind of you know made it possible for me to even be you know gainfully self employed to a certain extent so I you know I don't want to underplay her role in this she's been she's been a huge help for that yeah um but, but for me personally you know along those same lines I had to get used to being self employed you know and 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 being my own boss and cuz I'd never done that before you know and um and so there was sort of striking the balance between spending time. How much time am I going to spend on creative endeavors versus you know the um, the other logistical stuff that just comes into play when you're a musician that you have to deal with. You know, right? And so it just you know, and also suddenly you know, when, when I used to be a, an attorney, when I would make money as a musician, um, some of that I would get to keep towards just my my supporting the hobby of being a musician. I would I would turn mm. some of that income around and. and dump it into gear or whatever right. but now all of yeah. my music income is like bread and butter you know and yeah. it's kind of funny I, I say that like when i do gigs i'm like you know the, when i when I'm, if i'm taking tips at a local gig or something I, i'd say to people that the the tips uh the tips used to be gravy but now they're bread and butter you know it's just like, <laughs> so, so it's, everything's kind
0: of changed where it's like you know the, so i don't i don't have a lot of discretionary income to buy music gear like i used to
1: which is Ironic that like as a full-time musician i'm buying less music here than i did as, as an attorney you know? right but that's just the, the reality of it you know but i can also justify things if i need them you know like well this is my job you know so like but um but other one other thing that kind of worked out nicely was uh, i got offered a sponsorship by ovation guitars and they're like yeah. that was my first brand of guitar and and um and they basically you know sent, sent me a bunch of free guitars and 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 that, you know, kind of helped satisfy my gear lust a little bit where I was yeah. like, I need new gear. You know, mm. like, getting new guitar, getting new guitars is fun, you know. Yeah. And so, like, that kind of helped, you know, um, help me with that a little bit. But also, um, it, it, it helped me remember how much I love playing ovations. Because, you know, I still adore my Martins, and don't get me wrong. I, those are, like, my practice guitars, but I use my, my ovations on the streams and... Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to have to change the strings so much. I practice on different guitars than I perform on, you know, just to yeah, pre- sure. preserve the strings of my performing guitars as I practice on my Martins. But, yeah, I, I love, I adore my Ovation. The ones, I've got one that they made me that has my name on it. It's just like, it's, yeah, I think I once said it was my favorite non-living thing on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I adore it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and so, Mike, I, I don't want to, Wrap the conversation up without just talking about yeah. stuff that you want to promote. We've already mentioned a few times your live stream, and obviously that's one of our favorite live streams out there. It's it's killer and it's just generous and and we love it.
2: There is a live stream coming on tonight. Am
0: I am I am I correct? Um, no, tomorrow I'll
2: be on. Oh, it's uh, tomorrow.
0: I'll be on early yeah, really
2: tomorrow. Yeah. And is is it just going to be you? Because the, this is the differentiation is you you sometimes have a character with you.
1: Well, and that was the first time this yeah. past weekend was the first time I had Rock with me, and um and you know. Um, as long as, uh, everything kind of stays the way it is, my kind of short-term plan at least is to kind of have rock there, uh, on a semi-regular basis, if not on a weekly basis on Saturday nights. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and then, um, this Friday night will be the 50th episode of my streams. Like yeah. I'm, I'm actually like numbering them and calling them the Mike Nusset show, you know? And so, uh, this will be the 50th stream we've done. And, um, and each episode is, is over an hour long. It's usually like, close to an hour and a half. And then on on the, on the weekend nights, I do usually over two hours, and, and yeah. like with rock, rock small would join me on lead guitar this past weekend. That's what we're talking about, and uh, he did lead guitar and backing vocals, and we played for almost what was like two hours and forty minutes. Something yeah, you know, it was incredible. So there's some we stop and chit chat and pick songs and take donations and requests and such, but um, but yeah, it was, that was a fun one. And, and but I was gonna say on the 50th episode this Friday. uh my friend, who's also local uh, and bassist and backing vocalist Bryce Bloom, is, is going to be sitting in for the 50th episode, so that'll be fun. And that's and I say the difference is you know besides you know, rock is lead guitar, um, Bryce is bass. Um, Bryce I think is maybe a bit more focused on the vocals than than Rock is yeah because <laughs> Rock has all the lead guitar stuff to worry about uh Rock did a great job though. I went back and listened I was just like yeah his, his backing vocal contributions were pretty spot on I was just I was pretty pleased with that whole yeah. like you know how that presentation came came about you know like the mix and everything I just yeah I, th- I thought it sounded real nice
2: yeah no 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 it certainly did and, and again I, I want to reiterate you know in in these unprecedented times you know it's difficult uh, to find things to take comfort in and and you know, we've certainly taken comfort and in, in, you know you're, you're offering these streams, and uh,
0: Oh, that's nice, yeah, yeah right. that's yeah, and it, it, I also wanted to ask you said you wanted to get back into recording just traditional cover videos. Um, I wanted to ask, are there any covers in the pipeline that you feel comfortable? Uh, well, and I, I wanted to
1: say just a bit more about the streams. Well, first of all, um, it was something I wanted to do anyway. And I just, I, I knew that YouTube had live streaming capabilities. And it was something that I'm like, I should take a just at some point point, just do concerts or whatever. Yeah. But this kind of forced me to learn it and figure it out, you know? And, and we, um, but I'm very proud that we put it together at a very high level of, you know, of, of production and quality. And the performances aren't always high quality, but the production generally. I, I have given myself permission to make mistakes on some songs because I'm in my own house. And sometimes people make requests for songs. I'm like, you know, I don't know how well I know that song, but I'm going to give it a go and see what happens. So you know, I, And then sometimes I just have minor lyrical flaws or whatever. But I think people enjoy seeing me as a human, you know, but... But yeah, we had to, like, my son and I, my son is 13, my oldest, uh, Tim, that we mentioned earlier, he's 13 now, and he's running the controls that, on the live stream, and that's been kind of fun, because like, it's yeah. been like a father and son project, where we've you know, worked on it together, and I had to learn how to use all this video streaming software, and all of these, like, title-creating things, and all this, I had to figure all this stuff out, and how to make it work with a mix of my audio, and, and then I had to teach it all to him, so he could run it during the shows himself, And so he does a great job, and it's mm-hmm. just like, I could do it without him, so that's been it's been kind of a blessing that you know I figured out this new thing. It's basically, I don't know, in my mind, it's kind of a new product because I also do private streams. Like yeah. I can do these streams for anybody at any time. It's it's really kind of a fun experience. Like people like get their families together or their friends and they all chip in for the price or whatever. And you know, I could do it. I do basically an hourly rate, and and I've had I've done a lot of private streams where or people like they buy a private stream for me for their clients and then they invite their clients to watch and then they all get together on Zoom and hang out. It's kinda cool, you know, this is yeah. literally like this product that I can have forever now and I can I do want to get out back out there and do like live shows in person, but like knowing that I can do this at any time is just like it forced me to evolve, you know, sure. this whole situation.
0: Sure.
1: You know? So I was like I also lost a lot of weight, you know, it's just yeah. like so it's <laughs> I you know I've not, I've, I've taken this opportunity to flatten my own curves.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, no, I I mean, I I don't want to say just briefly, you know, if anyone looks at the descriptions in your videos, uh, uh, you always give uh, credit to your son. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. no good deed, you know. He, you know, everyone, everyone it's yeah. it's good it's good that you're, you know, you guys have that that kind of uh you can kind of learn together in this capacity. But um Yeah. What is it, well, kind of just on the outset, like, you know, yeah. obviously you don't know when you'll be able to, you had some touring dates planned in the fall, those could be up in the air, we don't know what's going to happen. What yeah, if, well, I was supposed
1: to be in Pittsburgh last week, and like, yeah, I was supposed to be in the UK, and yeah, exactly. I was supposed to be, I was supposed to do two probably sold out shows in New York, because they sold out last year, Yeah. you know, in Manhattan, you know, in May, and like, yeah, I was supposed to be in Boston, and Connecticut, and. Yeah, like like I said, Pittsburgh's has passed. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of games that got canceled. So it's been – the fact that I've like pivoted to live streams has just been like survival. You know, a vast majority of income comes from the live shows. So it's just like uh, – and I, I'm just – you know, I know not everybody has the resources or necessarily even like the technical ability to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of old school musicians, like, you know, like you leave a lot of famous ones. They just – you know, they're they're lucky to get a stream going on their phone. They, you know, they yeah, just sure. Like, the technical stuff, you know, plus their humps. They just, it's just not. They've always had engineers handle everything for them. They've never had to learn it. And I've always been like a one man, you know, production from the start. So it's right. just like, you know, this is kind of old hat for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. Certainly. Yeah. What? What's? What's? This is. This is kind of my an area of not contention, but I was wondering like. When you're yeah. performing for a group of people, a sold-out show in Manhattan, for instance, you know yeah. the crowd's amped. They're getting into the emotion with you. You know what's it like performing live? Not just the recording, but performing live for uh, pe- with with people without you know them being there to breathe in front of you and clap and smile and sing along. What's the What's the difference like?
1: Yeah, you mean like on the streams when there's nobody in the room? Exactly, yeah. like yeah, You're, you're still
2: playing live,
1: but. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was a bit unnerving at the beginning, yeah. you know, just to kind of like uh, end a song. And, you know, and I was still like, well, gosh, you know what? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It was also kind of familiar. <laughs> Yeah, because I used to do that at the pie all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you know, it was like it was it was kind of like oh we're back to that. That's kind of like right. my reaction. Right. Full you know, I'm like oh so it's comfort. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, we've come full circle. No, it's just and, and that's kind of like how we treated our gigs at the pie when Jeff and I would play. We would set up a camera and sometimes if the room ignored us or if it was just kind of empty, we would be, we would just be like okay we're playing for YouTube at this point. Yeah. And so like if there wasn't a reaction we just we thought that was part of the charm because it was a live gig and like, we just think our, our you know, our brains out and nobody really even batted an eye. And is not that kind of funny, you know? And so yeah. it just sort of like became the theme of the channel in a way, you know, that there was a lot of that going on. And, and, um, and so people you know there's endless stream of comments on my channel about the lack of response at some of those earlier videos so right so yeah so getting getting like no immediate feedback other than like also th- that's the other thing is like when i'm doing a live stream it's literally delayed you know just to preserve the stream integrity you know I, the, you can you can set it to like a really low latency if you want but then the stream might suffer so you know so there's like a probably i don't know maybe less than 10 seconds but there's a 10 second or so lag between when i finish a song and when the comments start re- reacting to yeah. it and and i'm seeing you know i'm seeing emojis of clapping hands you know for little, <laughs> repeated repeated you know that's like that's the best i can get you know right. and so and and that's the way it is right and so that's you know but that's Part for the course, and you know, and you see the donations come in, and, and, and that's, you know, that means a lot, you know, just because it's like, you know, it's supportive, you know, of, of the whole endeavor, and keeps the whole project going, but, you know, and I do t- try to take requests from people that not ever not just every quest has to have a donation on it you know so it's just like there's like a hierarchy of songs in my own mind of like songs i really want to play Mm -hmm. songs i'm like i'll play that if somebody rests it you know right i like all i like all the songs i wouldn't play them that's that's like that's a big criteria for me i have to like them all you know and that's always been true there there is still a continuum of how like how much i like to or how much i enjoy performing certain songs because some of them are just super challenging i'm like oh boy you know i don't want to do that it's like i don't want to do like too many challenging songs per show it's just like you know i just feel like i have a certain amount of energy you know just like yeah. and so i mm-hmm. kind of have to like pace myself but you know but sometimes i get going and i'm just like bring it on bring it on yeah. you know i'm just like i just get on this run you know you get in the zone th- right those are fun shows too and i just get on this run i'm just like you know let's sure. do it you know and my voice feels good or whatever yeah mm-hmm. so
0: yeah, I, I actually want to wrap up with a question that sure. I just can't help but wonder about. Um, I know that you, you, on your personal website, uh, you list some feedback from artists. I mean, the, the one that blew my mind was I think you said that the guys from Toto said that you were their favorite uh, rendition of, uh, of, of Africa. And um, do, you, do you have any just favorite encounters with some of your musical heroes that, that have kind of helped you uh-huh. along the way and inspired you?
1: Yeah, you know, some of those people some of the music people that I've covered have like responded in various ways. Some of it was in person, some of it was um, you know, like through a tweet or whatever. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. ways communicating with me. Um the Toto guys that like, we got to meet in person and that was that was a thrill just to like oh, wow. go backstage and, and uh and you know, the the guy who wrote Africa, David Page, you know, he told me that when anybody comes to his house he should my cover of that song, oh, you know, Wow. was just like I didn't even know he was aware of me, you know, just yeah. like to meet him and, and have to be like, I'm so glad to meet you. And, and he said, you know, he said, thank you for covering my song. You sing it better than we do, you know. <laughs> I tell that story all the time because it's like, you know, that's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime moment for me. And it was totally caught me off guard, you know. Sure. I was like, oh, I get to meet David Page. You know, that was like my thought, right, at the moment. Oh, I get to meet David Page. I didn't know what was coming, and it was just like blew my mind. And yeah. then the other moment for me, a personal hero of mine, was when I met Dennis DeYoung. Um, and that was kind of a, like friend of the friend of the music business, like got me backstage and it was actually on his birthday. He played at a theater in Boulder and that was just such a grippy night because, uh, we went backstage and, um, you know, he's got a birthday cake there and stuff. And he just, he did a great show. He sounds so good still. His voice is yeah. awesome. And his wife's up on the stage singing back in vocals. And he's got this guy on lead guitar, um, uh, named August Zadra, uh, Zadra, who plays uh, a great Tommy Shaw, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, great. It just sounded like sticks and it was awesome. But I go backstage and, um,
0: I'm standing there, and I I introduce myself to Dennis Young, and he, you know I'm just
1: like stumbling through meeting him because he's a childhood idol of mine. Right. And while I'm talking to him, his guitar player August walks into the room, and his jaw drops, and he's like, ah, "You're Mike Messer." <laughs> 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 and he's like, "It's like he's like, oh, sorry to like fanboy on you, but oh my gosh, you know, it's like he's like excited to be meeting me in front of Dennis Young. I was, That's like, so- I was like Wow. That moment just like blew my mind, and then so then um, so I'm trying to describe to Dennis. I'm like, yeah, I do curse club covers and stuff. I'm like, I did a cover of your song, "Come Sail Away." So then I, I pull it up on my phone and I pull up my YouTube video, and Dennis Young takes my phone out of my hands and he's watching my YouTube video with my phone and he starts singing along
2: with
1: oh, wow. me, singing "Come Sail Away." And then he says, "I used to sound like that." <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It was, just, it was just an awesome moment. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing so, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then we get a picture with him and stuff, and it was just, yeah, it was super cool. And, and I told him the story, and this is a true story, and he didn't know how to react, and it's okay if you don't either, but it's true. <laughs> I told on? him, I, I, said, I said, when I was a kid, I used to wish that I would get some really serious
0: disease so I could make a wish and meet you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's how I felt about Dennis
0: when I was a kid.
2: Well, so. it, it came true. Just uh, n- no illness, so uh, I know
0: it didn't. It didn't come to that. I'm glad it yeah,
2: didn't come to that. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, very, very good, very good.
0: All right, cool. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, again, you know, really appreciate your time. Uh, and sure, man. Uh, and finally, I mean, can you just remind the listeners uh, what's your schedule coming up? Where can they find you? Uh, yeah, mind. so
1: like, I, you know, it depends on what time zone you're in um, But like, I'm in the mountain zone And I usually stream on Mondays and Wednesdays At 1.30pm mountain time Which is 3.30pm eastern
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, And 1230 pacific And um, and then on, on the weekend I usually stream at 7pm my time On Friday and Saturday Which is 9pm eastern and um and then, you know, so that that makes it an evening show for the Europeans on Monday and Wednesday. And um and they you know, it's really late at night for them on the weekends. But yeah. and then I'm also doing this thing, let me just throw this out real quick. Uh, I'm doing this thing called uh play it like Mike doing the series of guitar yes, lessons where right. Yeah, I do those I do live streams uh once a week where I, I teach people a lesson and anybody can watch the live stream, that's free. But then after the live stream if anyone wants to rewatch it they can buy the file from me. And I just have a list of them on my website. But mm-hmm. the thing I wanted to mention was that uh if you're a vet, excuse me, you should reach out to uh Patrick uh at guitars for vets. Uh and that's guitars for vets out, dot org And uh, if you reach out to Patrick, he'll give you access to all of my guitar lessons for free. Wow. I'm gonna do those once a week. And then yeah, so anybody who's a vet, if you know of that, send them to org. It's a great program because they literally uh give free guitar lessons to us and then once they graduate from a 10 lesson program they get a free guitar and then they can do lessons for as long as they want it's like a really awesome program yeah and uh, and they they take people who vol- volunteer if you're a musician you volunteer to teach a bit at each of it you know probably the local VA and such so yeah that's what one to mention that is people should check out the questions yeah beautiful yeah Thank Thank you.
0: You. I can't
1: keep me day